time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode four of the Art of War Down Under podcast. We are joined lovingly today by uh, the man, one of the maestros of 40K behind the scenes, if you don't know, a, a mover and shaker, an absolute champion of the people, John Damaris. How you doing, mate? I'm doing, if I was doing any better right now, I would be bragging about it. Life is pretty good in the world of 40K. Don't you agree? It is absolutely phenomenal right now. And um, John and I have been working closely together on a couple of different projects. So it's my great pleasure to have him on this show. For those who don't know John, uh, obviously you don't know what regular the, the, the Art of War 40K podcast is. I'm the Art of War Down Under 40K podcast. But John is, uh, is a co-host on that with Nick Nanavati. Um, kind of a brainchild behind a lot of the, the different movers and shakers, different things that are happening out there. He's also part of the 40K Today. It's been a, a spearhead of getting out a daily uh, 40K podcast to everybody. You want to tell us a little bit about that, mate? Uh, mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, 40K Today is actually something I'm very proud of. Um, I, I'm very fortunate to have assembled an amazing team. So there's six of us that put out that daily podcast and um, if I truthfully, it takes us more time to plan out an episode, a 15 minute episode of 40K today than it does for me to plan out two hours of Art of War. So it's, yeah. um, it's a lot of work, but it's worthwhile. I think it's, it's a really, really fun, like, you know, just a brief look at what's going on in a, our amazing universe, the 40K universe. And it's, it's, it's fun to get into other people's orbit. So I really appreciate it for that. Yeah. And where can people find it if they're going to look for it, man? You can find it on any any podcast aggregator, uh, you know, iTunes, Google Play. Just look up 40K Today, uh, or you can go to 40KToday.com, and there's a bunch of different subscribe buttons right there to get it uh, wherever you need it. Wonderful. Now, I'm going to sell John a little bit. John's usually the guy who uh, is selling other people's work. But for those who don't know John, he's quite he's a relatively fresh fresh face and new face to the 40K scene, but he is not a new face to uh, tabletop wargaming. This is a gentleman who has been a perennial uh, finalist, perennial tournament champion uh, in War Machine across numerous years, across, uh, I believe, three years. Um, you told me a funny story before about a, a sportsmanship award you got in 2010, I believe. Yeah, so 2010, War Machine Weekend, Explosible Sportsmanship Award winner, this guy right here for running around, <laughs> this guy. making fun of, uh, of uh, cracker-ass crackers, and uh, <laughs> like, I seriously like, spent all weekend just uh, making people feel uncomfortable by asking them if they're racist against Asians and uh, having a good time. Basically, we had, we had a really good time, and um, yeah, so uh, when they announced me, everybody was like, wait, that guy? The guy that was like literally making... Really, really, really tasteless jokes. Mm. <laughs> Little Johnny Double D Damaris. Yeah, no, the that, that's, champion. A, that's a true story. <laughs> it, it happened. That is your that is your nickname by me now. It's Johnny Double D Damaris. <laughs> All right, but I've brought you on, man, because you're actually a gentleman who I, I hit up and I talk to about Dark Angels. Dark Angels is one of my loves, one of my passions as a, a faction in 40K. And I wanted to have you on because uh, you and I, we pick each other's brains on Dark Angels quite a bit. And um, I thought, who, who better to talk to than the guy I turn to to talk to about this stuff? So 
We're going through the Dark Angel Psychic Awakening today, guys. First part of this is going to be a comprehensive review of what they got in Psychic Awakening, what we think about it, um, where we think it settles, and of course, we'll be doing a rating system for how well we think uh, Dark Angels are placed going into ninth edition. And we're going to wrap up by just uh, kind of waxing lyrical, talking about some different um, different units we like the look of, we like the feel of heading into ninth for the play styles that we like, and also the missions. And then in part two, which is will be for the patrons, we're going to be we're going to be writing Dark Angels lists. We're going to be talking archetypes, talking secondaries, talking relics and warlord traits, and all those little nuanced itty bitty little bits of tech you need to know to make these guys go because unfortunately from a, i think most people will know out there this isn't a straight line super powered army you got to put a bit of work in you got to put a bit of um elbow grease to get the most out of them but they're definitely a diamond in the rough so oh, <laughs> dude absolutely we're There's gonna so shine much... that baby up for you real good i promise mm-hmm. There's so much juicy stuff in here that I think gets a, gets a bit overlooked. But anyway, the, so the first thing when I when I crack open this Psychic Awakening, this is Psychic Awakening Ritual of the Damned for those following along at home. Um, Master Lazarus. So the new, we've got a new character, Primaris character. I can't say I'm a hugely um, – uh, I love the model all that much, mostly because I wanted to cut that helmet out and use it for like a billion other things, and they made it such a pain in the ass by putting his hand on it um, and not just having it as a free-floating piece on the sprue. But um, what do you think of this guy, um, stat line-wise? Have you had a, a comprehensive look at him? Yeah, yeah, I think he's fine, right? The The problem is, um, in ninth edition, I think you're going to play less characters first. Mm-hmm. And second, there's so many good characters that you can play. In, uh, for Dark Angels, Pots, yeah. For dark, yeah, I mean, it's just, he's he's sort of difficult to, to squeeze in. Um, I do like his Spirit Shield Helm. It kind of uh, allows you to sort of have that uh, mortal wound um, mm-hmm. insurance policy, which is not a bad thing to have. Like, you know, that's never, and he's like a decent beater, right? Like, if I remember right, he's, what, strength six, AP minus yep, four, so- damage, a decent number of attacks. Yep, just quickly um, running across his stat line. He's, he's got a basic primary captain stat line. Movement 6, weapon skill, blitz skill 2+, plus, strength and toughness 4, wound 6, 5 attacks, 3+, plus armor save. Comes with a 4+, plus invulnerable, as as is his right as a captain. Uh, he's equipped with um, a bolt pistol, Enmity's Edge, which I do like the name of, um, which is a strength plus 2, minus 4, D3 damage. Uh, essentially Relic Blade. Um, when resolving attack made with this weapon against a psychic unit, you can reroll the wound and you can reroll the damage roll. So he's a, he's a bit of an anti-psycho. He's also got a special um, the, the helmet he's carrying under his arm, like you alluded to, uh, the Spirit Shield Helm. When a model in a friendly Dark Angels unit within six of this model would lose a wound as a result of a model wound. Roll one uh, D6, adding one to the result if it is Lazarus himself, uh, and a five plus that wound is not lost. What I like about this is um, we're going to see a lot more exploding vehicles <laughs> out there because we can't reroll those sixes anymore. And so his, <laughs> his, his sixes, his feel no pains aren't just for um, the psychic phase model wounds. They're for all model wounds, any model wounds. Hell, even even stuff like... Um, haywire? Uh, yeah, Haywire, exactly right. Yeah, that's a good example. Um, so I, I do use chaplains often, like I'll use that, uh, you know, the same, the same aura, right? Like a six inch aura from the chaplain for, um, you know, psychic fortress, but I don't remember exactly what it's called for the chaplain, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, it doesn't really matter. The, we'll the point is I use that. It, like, I like to have chat when, when you could customize your, um, uh, Lydney's on the fly. Yeah. When you cut, could customize your litanies on the fly. Then that could that could be great. Like if you're running into Talos, or you're running into, you know, Harlequin bikes that are doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then you're just like, oh, cool. Oh, you're playing Thousand Sun, so I'm totally gonna do this. So, yeah. And look, he's not, he's 
He's not a, a huge investment of points. He does give the real ones to hit, as the captain does. You also got intractable will. Uh, when this model is destroyed within one of an enemy unit, so if he's destroyed in melee, essentially, um, it can immediately fight as if it were the fight phase um, before it moved from play. So essentially, he's got a free fight on death. Um, and he, as, as we said, like he's, if he's got shock assault, he's going to have a six attacks at strength six minus four d three damage. Uh, he's no slouch. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I don't hate the idea of swapping him in for a captain. If you were going to play a captain anyway, like exactly I, right. Yeah, I kind of like having a smash captain in that. I like having the jump pack, right? But mm-hmm. um, if you were just going to play a primaris captain, because a lot of people do that, then I would yeah. swap him in all day, right? He's just a better, a better version of that model. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, primaris master is uh, at eighty-five points, and he rocks in at um, one hundred and ten. But he comes with like he comes with that five plus feel no pain aura. He comes with that incredibly good uh, melee weapon, which is one of the best melee weapons that um, Dark Angels have available to them. And it comes with their fight on death as well. So he has gone up five points from eighth edition to ninth edition. I think it's literally like the minimum amount he could go up. So very negligible. One hundred ten points. I think he's good. I think if you if you're playing in a meta where you're fearful of um, you know, taking anything in excess of probably 10 mortal wounds. If you're going to take more than three smites a turn, you probably consider him. Um, if you feel like you're into it, yeah, like a, there's an Eldar meta out there that's going to be putting two smites and an executioner on you. Anything more than that, if they're putting more of an investment into the psyche phase in your meta, I think he's, I think you're worth looking. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah. And I think, I don't think he's like, I think he's just, a, he's just a master with upside. So, mm, you know, right. if you have the points, he's an easy upgrade. Um, he hits like a truck and, you know, he's got some rules that will be, you know, like the, the moral wound one is probably what a 20% rule, 20% of the time. It's really good. The other 80% of the yeah. time you don't notice it's there, but yeah, you don't notice it's there. But yeah, you're not paying a premium for it. But anyway, we're going to move on. So talk, we're going to talk about doctrines. Now, we haven't really, so far in Art of War, Danana, we haven't gone into a Space Marine faction yet. This is the first kind of one that has a doctrine. So for those who don't know, a doctrine is, um, Essentially, essentially now is a stage progression throughout a game. First turn you start in Devastator. Next two turns you can voluntarily be in Tactical, and then the last um, couple of turns of the game you're going to be in um, Assault Doctrine. If not, the last two turns and the last three turns if you don't stick in Tactical Doctrine. So, and admittedly, I'll say I will bemoan this one as one that this this is a change that that irritated me because I thought our one um, for Dark Angels was on the the lower end of the power spectrum, but we got to play with it a lot less than everybody else got to play with their special toys, if that makes sense. So we got we got what's called um, uh, Relentless Hunt. In Devastator Doctrine, um, and while it's active, the range of characters of all heavy and rapid-fire weapons equipped by Dark Angels units with his ability is increased by six, and the range of all assault and pistol weapons is increased by three. So that would seem a pretty negligible change, to, especially when we take into account that um, ninth edition, all the ranges have changed. So everything, all the tables are considerably smaller, so therefore the range is less relevant. But where it becomes really saucy is when you talk, start talking about things like aggressors. Um, when they when they had twenty one inch and advance and shoot, and they can shoot and uh, sorry move and shoot twice with the doctrine that we're going to get to. Sorry, litany we're going to get to later. That extra three inches was actually pretty good. Yeah, actually, the the other place where I find the range to be really good is in two cases, right? Um, first turn you need a little more range so it allows you to play more defensively with your talent masters and sammy which are going to be in most of your dark angel lists yep. that extra six inches is really relevant and then yeah. i've been playing with um a leviathan dread with storm cannon arrays oh, another yep. another time where that plus six inches on that first turn is really relevant so um in those cases i mean it's just sort of a welcome bonus if you're going to play mono da anyway but there's in, in no way is it a build around it's it's not like you're like oh you know i need to stay in, you know in 
uh, Dark Angels because, you know, I get mm. this access to this doctor and it's just sort of a nice to have sort of thing. Yeah, I feel like I feel like when you could be in Devastated Doctor every turn, there were some builds that would get a lot out of this. Like I found, uh, we'll get to we'll get some archetypes probably in part two. But Archangels, Dark Angels have this amazing propensity to be able to spam Strength Five and Strength Six weaponry, and taking those from the twenty four and the thirty six brackets into the thirty and um, forty two inch brackets, it was a huge difference, especially when you got that extra rend on top. So, uh, admittedly, like I said, that's the thing that's going to change with the smaller boards. But I, it does, it does, it pisses me off that we got it for like a month before it got taken away. If that, I think it was only yeah. a couple of weeks. The other, the other place I've seen it be really good actually is with um, eliminators, right? So, yeah, uh, that extra six inches is actually really relevant because a lot of times you're hiding eliminators in places, and people sort of play around it by keeping their characters just out of their range, and then you'd have to like move out in order to like shoot mm. their characters. Um, but with that extra six inches, a lot of times that's the difference where you're just like, now you can't hide. Yeah, <laughs> no, can't hide. No, no options. Too bad to sad. I love it. All right, we're going to jump into the stratagems. So a couple of these are direct portovers. Uh, numerous ones of these are direct portovers from the Space Marine Codex. Um, first one being Duty Eternal, Dreadnought, half damage, which we know now is, is minus one damage because of the FAQs. Um, is it, you, you were talking about a Leviathan Dreadnought. Do you smash down Duty Eternal often? Yeah, every turn. I, so basically, every, I play Leviathan. Every turn, Adam. Every <laughs> single turn. Yeah, go. <laughs> well, every time you get shot at, I'm like, okay, I Duty Eternal... And then he's got a four-up involve that Leviathan Dread, so I always re-roll um, a relevant mm -hmm. damage, or a, you know, if there's a relevant damage weapon that I miss the save on, um, mm. you know, like a D6 damage weapon or a three damage weapon or something, definitely just re-roll, re-roll one of those saves. Uh, and I, what I find is Duty Eternal is one of the most efficient stratagems that you can take. Yep, um, it just is. It just basically, in a lot of cases, doubles the amount of attacks it takes to kill your dreadnought, which is very, yeah. very frustrating for something that's yeah. already toughness eight, two up, two plus, four plus, four plus plus, you know, yeah, that kind mm. of thing. Really good. Now we've got the we um, well, maybe we'll skip over the the bundled in intercessor ones. We've got the veteran intercessor with the bolt storm, the rapid fire, and the uh, target sided. Um, I feel like dark angels do intercessors quite well, so I feel like all those are relative. But I, I, I don't think you're going to be taking the assault guns so i think we can dodge that the bolt storm and the sorry it's the rapid fire and the um the target sided i think are both pretty relevant we can do stalker bolters probably better than everybody except iron hands i think yeah i think so actually uh you just sort of dismissed the auto bolt rifles but i think that's my preferred loadout for yeah. yeah because if you do the math it's the most efficient like it does the most work mm -hmm. um and then what i because of the way ninth edition the way it is I kind of like to take impeccable mobility on, uh, which we'll get to in a minute here. But mm -hmm. then you can advance those intercessors um, and shoot without penalty, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And then and it usually also, become usually you become an advert repulsor as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, impulse, sorry, impulsor. Yep, yep. And then um, you can also uh, advance inceptors with that impeccable mobility. Yeah. And shoot without penalty. So mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things where the auto bolt storm rifle sort of becomes more relevant if you're building your army in a certain way. Um, but you're right. Most, most of these are like the same as they are for space Marines, more or less. Yeah. They're, they're bringing much specialized to the, the park for dark angels. Interesting thing that I've, the, so what you just said about the, the bolt storm one and the auto, auto bolt rifles, I had this uh, little dichotomy in my head. I'm like, okay, I could take, I could take the assault bolters for the intercessors or I could just take assault uh, intercessors. And um, essentially I just, I just charge people from a transport instead. And yeah, 
I get into combat and not only that, I kill them off objectives, then I'm on the objective as well. So I guess you could do the same thing. You could advance on and then hope to kill them. But like, is, is, is a assault is intercessor in combat better at killing things than a, uh, intercessor with an auto auto bolt rifle. Yeah, he is, and that's that's where I got that little issue because you still get they still get the single bolt pistol shot, and then what you get four attacks on the charge with, at, at rend one, rather than three three shots from the gun with no rend. Yeah. Anyway, that that was my little toss up. Yeah. No, I actually I love uh, I love assault intercessors. They're like they're really uh, good. Like, dude. They are really good. That those mm-hmm. Astartes chainswords are the bomb. So yeah, they're actually fearsome um do you want to read our stratagem for us so we've got the first dark angel specific one which is high speed focus use this stratagem when a raven wing unit from your army is chosen as a target of attack made with a ranged weapon until the start of your next movement phase models man unit unit benefit the from the jink ability even if they didn't advance this is another extremely efficient mm. um, stratagem if you have something to play it on right yeah so this is raven wing specific those who don't know the jink rule um when you when you got a raven wing keyworded unit that advances they get a four plus invulnerable save just a flat four plus invuln they just get they essentially they halve all incoming wounds um for all intents and purposes uh, and it's a reactive one cp stratagem and i i this is one i use every turn yeah i'm really hoping that outriders get the raven uh raven wing yes because this will be really good on them I'm incredibly good on them. Incredibly good. Because they, well, their toughness five was six wounds a pop. Four wounds a pop. Four. Oh, four yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> toughness, toughness, yeah. That'd be insane. Uh, but yeah, four wounds is a really, really annoying profile to shoot into, because with all the, especially with D6 damage weapons or flat three damage or D3 damage weapons. You can find need, you need three D3 damage wounds to go through, and when you're halving them, what, they've got to shoot... 16 d3 damage shots to like yeah. reliably kill two bikes and stuff like that that just yeah it just doesn't happen um yeah i love this one i think it's phenomenal uh it's next one becomes, extremely good on your talent master um yes, in the late stages of the game yeah because like so later in the game the talent masters usually voltron out and start using all the facets that they've got to you so you shoot one thing maybe shoot another thing then charge a third um and yeah they don't have an invuln save so it's it's actually a big deal to give them a four plus. Uh, next one, big guns never tire. You ignore the movement penalty. Everyone knows what that one is. Um, also irrelevant now. <laughs> also absolutely dead in the freaking water. Same with Vengeance of the Machine Spirit, I believe, because um, Machine Spirit is now lo- no longer a rule. Um, here of the chapter. So yeah, so um, getting a second wall of trait. That's just another port over target side. Another port over. Sorry about that. Gene raw, raw might first. Fury, sorry, Fury of the First. One CP. Uh, use your strategy in any phase, like one Deathwing Terminator unit from your army, turn to the phase from resolving attack made with that model, add one to the hit roll. So that is also a port over, but the difference here is our Terminators do things a little bit differently to other Terminators. Yeah, Deathwing Knights with Fury of the First just absolutely obliterate whatever they touch, So, mm-hmm. which is great. They are, well, we have now, due to some of the, another couple of the strategies we're going to be talking about here, they became, they went from, uh, literal jokes, yeah, to in, within one release becoming one of the premier melee units in the game. Um, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with the next one, which is called Stand Firm, 1CP. Uh, again, use a stratagem when a Deathwing Terminal unit from your army is chosen as a target of attack until the end of that phase. Increase the toughness characteristic of models in that unit by one. So you can reactively go to Toughness 5. There's also another stratagem from the um, 
in the actual Dark Angels um, codex, which is Fortress of Shields. When three models in a Deathwing unit have Storm Shields, you can get minus one to wound in, in melee. So when you combine the two of those, um, you become a you could become insanely hard to shift on the counter attack. So you go into them, and then they counter attack into you with, let's say, uh, Sangard or something of that ilk. Something that you on uh, uh, left unbuffed, they will go straight through you. But all of a sudden, you go to um, uh, strength five, so toughness five and minus one to wound, and essentially you completely neuter. Between that and the uh, other option being um, transhuman physiology, you've all of a sudden got this uh, wealth of reactive um, stratagems you can use to keep your essentially your prime units being prime units and not just getting gutted the first time they charge. Yeah, you can also give them. Uh, is it a five up feel no pain with the banner? So yes, damn straight, man. You can make them very, very difficult to shift, like yeah. um, frustrating, frustratingly so for your opponents, because they already have storm shields, right? So they're three up involves. They've got a yep. two plus because they're terminators, um, and then you know suddenly their toughness five. Suddenly, you know you're minus one to wound. Like all mm. that adds up really fast. You want to jump into the next one? Targeted guidance. Use the stratagem at the start of your shooting phase. Select one enemy unit within twelve inches of a. Invisible to a Ravenwing Landspeeder unit from your army until the end of that phase when resolving an attack made by a model in a friendly Dark Angels unit against that unit, you can re-roll the hit roll. And this isn't re-roll failed hit rolls like other, like Azriel's buffies, damn it, and same as Samael's and the rest. This is true re-rolls to hit, so this is the the perfect 1 CP buff um, to get around a negative 1 to hit. Um and Ravenwing Landspeeders, what, what would what would a Ravenwing Landspeeder happen to be? Is there is there a, unit, a well-known powerful unit out there that would happen to be a Landspeeder? I mean, every Talon Master can do that for you. <laughs> and I, I've not built a Dark Angels list uh, since I started playing them without ta- at least one Talon Master and yeah. Samuel in uh, yep. Corvix in there. Yeah, so. Oh, in Corvix or Sableclaw? Or Sableclaw, sorry, whichever, yeah. whichever it's Sableclaw, yeah, it's, it's Sableclaw. Yeah. Um, whichever the Speeder one is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also wonder, uh, I'm kind of curious if there is like a land speeder build that also might be good with that. Yeah, I th- there's, a, there's a couple of pretty saucy ones out there, which I think we're going to touch on later. But uh, yeah. there's, um, when we get, so uh, following the, when we break down all, after we break down all the content, we're going to be talking about um, a few of the units that stand out to us and, and really sing to us in this edition. And I'm going to be talking about land speeders of, of a myriad of different varieties, because I think a lot of them are very good. And I, I think this brings a lot to the table for us. Um, Select an enemy unit within 12, and then every unit from your army. So no other unit has to be within 12 or 6 of this guy or that. They just like come within 12, point at a unit, rest of your army gets rerolls to hit. It's phenomenal. There are very few limitations here, very few terms and conditions you've got to tick. A lot of the time you'll hear me talk about terms and conditions. Like it'll have either too many terms and conditions or not enough to get to get the, the viability out of a stratagem. This one's perfect. This is, this is the perfect amount of terms and conditions because there's pretty much none. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It... It does require you to put a land speeder a little closer than you may want to, right? But that's okay. Like, whatever. Um, one of the most efi- one of the most efficient two CPs you can spend is the uh, uh, when when a talon master or Sammy gets killed, having them fire eighteen shots into something. They that people yes. don't know that very much at all. Yeah, that's right. So good. All right, next one. Full throttle. One CP. Use this strategy in a moving phase after moving a Ravenwing unit from your army. You can make a second move with that unit in this phase uh that unit can advance as part of this move um if it has not already uh advanced this phase that unit cannot shoot or charge this turn uh i actually am a huge fan of this especially in ninth edition i i'm, I'm thinking if outriders or things of their ilk do get um do get um 
sorry, Ravenwing, they all, all of a sudden they become one of the premier board holding units in the game. They've got big bases, they're chunky models. You can really zone out a lot of board very quickly with these guys. Um, but prior to that, there are a lot of units in the, in the, Raven, in the Ravenwing arsenal right now that get a lot of mileage out of this. Um, not only because of the next one, which is combined assault, which we're going to talk about, but because simply because we know how important it is to take and hold objectives now in this edition. And um, yeah. I think the other, Ravenwing. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say I was just going to jump in on that really quick. Uh, one of the big uses, particularly on turn one, this can allow you to get that uh, when you're playing the new recon. Um, yeah, attack on all fronts. I think is what it's called. Yeah, uh, for the secondaries. Uh, you can actually get a full recon on turn one with this because you can get something into your opponent's deployment exactly zone, right. or that yeah. one table quarter you normally couldn't get to, you suddenly mm-hmm. can get there. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. It's a, it's a big deal to be able to... It allows you to play that mission because, I mean, you want to be over there anyway, right? A lot of times yeah, contesting something or whatever. Um, well, I... I- I think Ravenwing, um, just by, if you were just to build like a standard all comers Ravenwing army, you're already extremely good at killing things that hold objectives. Just just by the, the amount of mass um, anti-infantry shots that you've got and the quality that you, you bring already. Uh, but I think that the issue is once you kill something off an objective, you're usually not on that objective as well because usually you're killing them from like 24 inches away. But just being able to be like, oh, I've got these a bunch of little three-man units I don't care about. Um, Talon Master clears that objective, shoot a unit over onto it from the other, literally the other side of the board. You get to wait and see if you can clear an objective. And then if you do, or maybe you clear all the obsec off and they've got one, like let's say they've got a rhino left that doesn't have obsec. Oh yeah, I'll shoot through three Ravenwing bikes. They're going to go all the way from one corner of the board all the way to the other side of the board. They're going to take that objective off you. You're not going to score your next turn. Um, that kind of stuff, I feel like it brings a lot to the table in the ninth edition missions. But this is where the true power is. Combined Assault. Do you want to hit this up? Yeah, no, this is this is the stratagem that makes you want to play knights. Um, <laughs> right. So this, this is uh this is the actually I will say as a caveat about knights, I love knights, but they they do require you to expend a lot of CPs to like you're you're committing a lot of CPs to yeah. run knights. But when, if you yeah. do, they're very powerful. So combined assault. Use the stratagem at the end of your movement phase. When you set up a Deathwing unit from your army using the teleport strike ability, you can set up that unit wholly within six inches of a friendly Ravenwing biker that has not advanced this turn and more than and no more than six inches from any enemy models. Um, and any models that cannot be set up this way are destroyed. Now, bonus points for using your Ravenwing Apothecary for this, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That model is 60 points. Super efficient for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can also carry a special relic, which we'll get to later. But yep. basically, he's a sixty-point delivery method for for this combined assault. The, yeah, um, you know, and and it's just fantastic. And hopefully, hopefully, outriders get like you know Ravenwing. But until then, I think that Ravenwing apothecary is sort of your dude <laughs> to make this. Happen. I sometimes, I sometimes, if I've got the if I've got a frivolous amount of points at the end, sometimes I'll upgrade him to a champ, a Ravenwing champ. But usually, it's the apoth. Um, there was also another trick. I'm not sure if you were abreast on the the plasma gun trick. Um, the plasma cannon trick with regular terminators but a couple of mates down here and um they they alluded me to a little play for deathwing terminators so deathwing terminators can uh from the basic um dark angels codex when you deep strike you know deathwing terminators you can pay a man a cp and make them shoot in the shoot in the in the movement phase after they deep strike and then they can shoot again in the in the shooting in the um 
in the shooting phase, of course. Uh, but it's a lot of CP. Like it's it's like three CP to shoot at anything more than a, than five dudes. Two CP to shoot five dudes. Um, what you could do is you take two plasma cannons, you deep strike them down. You over in the movement phase, you pay your, your CP. You overcharge the plasma cannons because you've moved. They're minus one to hit, so they overcharge on one and twos. You get one of those plasma gunners, plasma cannon guys killed, and then the Ravenwing apothecary brings that guy back to life on a four plus that you can no longer re-roll now, so this play is nowhere near as good. Um, and that guy can now break the nine-inch barrier that you deep struck into, and then you can get, a, uh, I think it's a five or a six-inch charge. And if you were already did the combined assault sectors as well, essentially you can't fail that charge anymore. You have to roll a snake eyes. Um, yeah, uh, although I will say for the record, um, I probably would recommend Chaplain plus two inches to charge and a six-inch yes. charge. It's just that's better. Your bread and butter. That's just way more reliable. <laughs> oh, dude, if if well, if the if so, uh, we've been. It's kind of been uh, released out there to the world that we're getting a a chaplain on a bike. We're getting a primary chaplain on a bike. If that guy gets inner circle and Ravenwing, he's going to become my new like favorite boy in the world, which we'll get to in in a little bit, in a little while, because he will do both. He will turn on that two plus that two plus to charge litany, scoot all the way over to the board. Um, the combined assault them in with a plus two. They have a four-inch charge from reserve. Um, yeah, it's perfect. That, that, that could be absolute. That could be our new money maker, so to speak. Um, next one, listening down here is transhuman physiology. I think that brings a lot to the table for us, um, but it, it brings the same amount as for every Space Marine Army. Like, there's. Uh, I think. I think the fact that we can play aggressors very well. Um, and that we can play intercessors quite well as well for a couple of reasons we'll get to probably in part two. I think transhuman is probably a little better for us than it is for say things like Iron Hands and things like Raven Guard and stuff that you know they can either they can avoid being shot or they can just have uh, feel no pains and just soak wounds in other in other ways and not have to just constantly plug CP. But I feel like transhuman has been quite important for Dark Angels. I agree with that, and I mean we we play a lot of heavy infantry right like we can play aggressors we can mm. play acceptors yeah. we can play eradicators yeah yeah five three wounds uh and the things that hurt them you know reducing the number of incoming wounds is a big deal uh yeah, it is sure. nice if they're toughness five and again transhumans probably really good on outriders too especially if we get to the point where we can have bigger units than three which i think is probably mm. And for the, for the sake of the argument, uh, we're talking about things of the ilk of demolisher cannons for the because the, that's where you get the biggest value. Taking a thing that's going to win you on two plus to a four plus, or things that which is here's the where where people will be content to say, oh, tough. There's no strength ten stuff out there. What what's a bigger deal is things that have a strength six or better and have plus one to wound because plus one to wound is now that like literally the best defensive buff you can put on a unit, and if you can put it on anything it's going to get so much more value because you can't go plus two you can't go minus two to here you can't go any any better than plus one um so yeah that's where i think it's the absolute freaking money like things like riser plasma destroyers and things like that of that ilk that or things with veterans of the long war and a strength six gun or whatnot um next one evasive assault you want to read this one out mate sure Use the stratagem in the fight phase when a Ravenwing biker unit from your army that made a charge move or was charged this turn is chosen as a target for an attack until the end of the phase. Models in that unit have a 5-plus invulnerable save, and I have used this many times on a Talon Master to make him live when he yes. should have. Um, exactly right. Those guys are actually a, a little tougher than people expect because the toughness mm. is It throws toughness off your map a lot of times. And then if you add a 5-plus invul on that, a lot of times they live when they probably shouldn't, and it really frustrates people because they do so much damage. Yeah, I've had I've had Asterath charge my Tyler Master, and I was just like, I, I either I pop the five plus, either I bank one CP now and have him live, or I bank two CP and make him shoot when he dies or fight when he dies. Um, and so yeah, every time I'll just be like, I five plus involved the guy, 
And um, oh, so you know you can't use it on a Telemaster yet. It's a Ravenwing biker unit. Oh, I thought you could. Oh, I guess I've been cheating. Yeah, you've been cheating. I think I've cheated once as well. Yeah. <laughs> Only the once though, because yeah, I was about to say I used it against the uh, guy charging with Asterast, and I was like, "Ah, oh, five plus involved," and he lives. So yeah, he was supposed to die. Apologies. Oh yeah, God, my my bad. Well, well yeah, that's, that's yeah, okay. That's, that's, we do, that's, that's that's another reason we do things like this. We like we learn as we go as well. Just as hopefully this is as beneficial for players out there. You and I also. Uh, well, I know I I grow from um, doing these podcasts as well. So hopefully everyone else gets as much out of it as I do. Um, so. Next one, outnumbered but never outmatched. One CP, use this stratagem in the fight phase when a Deathwing unit from your army is chosen to fight with until the end of that phase. Add one to the attack characteristics of models in that unit um, that target any enemy units containing two or more models. So I'll read that again. Add one to the attack characteristics of models in that unit if the that attack, if, sorry, if that unit attack, targets any enemy units containing two or more models. Now where this gets tricksy is the terms and conditions here are very fun and like i came back to that terms and conditions thing so if i was to say let's have let's say a unit of 10 deathwing knights and i charge a unit of i so i charge a, a an imperial knight and one guy makes it in within and i charge a unit of let's say um uh 10 infantry uh, guardsmen infantry if one guy puts what allocates one attack into those guardsmen the other guys all get plus one attack for one cp and when oh, they go yeah. into that imperial and when they go into that imperial knight so only one guy needs to put in one attack to give plus nine, essentially plus nine attacks, a, a net sum plus nine attacks gained into that Imperial Knight for one CP. I think that's really sick. That's pretty cheeky. And then you add an, an Ancient in there, right? And then um, mm. and then the world blows up. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they're coming in a three attacks base now with the Shock Assault, and this will take them to four, and then there's a, the possibility to take them to five. Five attacks each with essentially a Thunder Hammer puts them into Smash Captain territory. For hitting on twos. I thought hitting on, on twos. You can, for Fury of the First. Yeah, because yeah, you get plus, the first. plus one to hit. And if you really want to be cheeky, you can cast the, uh, what is it, Trepidation? What's that, what's that crazy spell where you reroll hits and wounds? All hits and all wounds. Um, uh, righteous repugnance. Righteous what repugnance. A, yeah. The most dark angelly, dark angel. It might as well be a space wolf term called Wolfie of the Wolfstorm, <laughs> because that is what righteous repugnance is uh, for dark angels. Basically, you can make your your knights kill anything. There you can literally make them kill. There's, if, if you're willing to put the CP in, you can make them do whatever you need, uh, which is in, in melee, which I think is enormously powerful. And the last one is one CP honored by the rock is literally um, you can give a successor, a uh, relic from the either the, the Dark Angels Codex or from this book. So one CP, if you're not a Dark Angels, if you're taking a Angels of Repentance or something of that ilk, you can still give them a, um, a Wall of Trade, sorry, a relic from here. Um, next up, we had the Obscuration Discipline and the Vanguard Wall of Traits. They don't particularly add a huge amount from what I see to Dark Angels. Maybe Tenebrous Curse is pretty sick or the Temporal Corridor. But probably niche plays. Have you, have you seen anything there that you feel we need to talk about? Not really. There's nothing that gets me too excited, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. Well, especially when we've got uh, Ravenwing and Deathwing Wall of Trace to talk about, because this stuff does get me very excited. But These are all really good, actually. So yes, absolutely every one, right. Every one of them is uh, applicable. You can build around and do cool Before stuff. we jump into that, though, uh, we need to take an ad break. I keep doing this. I keep forgetting to put ad breaks in. So I've written it in my uh, run sheet. FFS, Adam, for those who know what that means, put in an ad break. <laughs> so we're going to check an ad break here. You hear from our sponsors from the Frontline Gaming Network. Um, wonderful guys supporting us and getting helping us get out there. So we'll join us on the other side, guys. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. 
No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. And we are back with John. John, Ravenwing and Deathwing Wall of Traits. Tell me your story, mate. <laughs> you want to you wanna just talk about like... So when these first came out, my favorite one was Watched. Yeah, me too. And the reason why was when you could customize at the start of every match, then you mm. could just like throw on a Watched uh, at, you know, at, a, at a time when it, it changes the game. Because Watched absolutely changes the game when you're just like... 100%. At one point in time in this game, I'm going to stop you from warp timing. I'm going to stop you from quickening. You know, I'll stop you from dreaming. And yeah, 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 exactly. And it just it just changes it changes the entire flow of the game. It changes how your mm. opponent the threat of it changes how your opponent has to play. You want to read it out for us so people know what we're talking about. Sure. Once per battle in your opponent's psychic phase, this warlord can attempt to resist one psychic power in the same manner as a psyker as taking a deny the witch test. Even if your warlord is not within 24 inches of the enemy model manifesting that psychic power when taking the deny the witch test do not roll the dice it is automatically passed damn some good terms and conditions <laughs> so, pretty, uh, so there's no range and there's no dice roll it just happens there's no race no dice roll you just you like they try and cast one spell and you're like nah you just say no don't yeah, roll the dice you can literally say no to any spell you know magnus yeah. is like uh oh uh, you know they're like i super spited you like congratulations no you didn't <laughs> no, sorry, mate. And um, there's a couple of other things we can go through that will uh, add add a little bit of credence to this being more powerful. Things like um, uh, Watches in the Dark, which don't get talked about very often, which we might touch on later in part two. But um, yeah, oh, this was the obvious best one when you could pick before a game because you're just like, ah, oh, at some point you're going to cast war- war- Vortex of Doom and you're going to supercharge it with all your CP and things. And then after you spend your CP, I'm just going to say, nah, mate, it didn't happen. Um, that is really powerful. Or you come in for your 3d6 charge when you're upon wings of fire from um, Blood Angels and you're like, sorry, mate, you still got to just roll that nine. You don't have any options. That kind of stuff. You can fundamentally change the way your, your opponent needs to play the game by not even using this, by just like having it. And I think it just brought a, a, such an exponential piece of tech to, uh, to our playbook that I thought was fantastic. Uh, but alas, those were the good old days. And now it's sort of... Um the opportunity cost is too high to have it in your list. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I would I would say if you're playing into a meta where you're playing a lot of demons, T Suns, Eldar, and or Chaos in general is, is just really potent where you are. Uh, I think it's still it's still pretty good. If you're gonna take a second fiddle warlord trait as a tech option and you go to a let's say you go to a GT, a six round GT, uh three out of six games if if it brings a lot of value, it was worth the one CP. You know, you're paying one CP for in half your games to have a fundamental advantage. I think I think that's still good if you want to look at it those terms. But it does feel bad. It just feels bad when you don't need it now. Yeah, I also think you have to be careful too because I've seen a lot of people sort of um, gaming for secondaries and they'd like to take abhor the witch, so they're foregoing mm-hmm. the one psyker that they normally would have um, yeah. utility. Like I see a lot more of that. So I don't know if like. Obviously, the psychic heavy armies are still going to be psychic. You know, they're still going to be Farsi. Yeah. Still going to be Tyranids, yeah. slinging spells all over the place. But that being said, I'm not sure that you'll see the one Space Marine Librarian. You know, who's 
rock in a null zone and something else. That's, like, that's I, right. You, the, the psychic powerhouse armies are still going to be psychic powerhouses, but the, the sprinkled psychic tech might not be there as much. I think that's a good point. All right. Well, let's just go through the rest of the, uh, the Deathwing one. Yeah, I was about to say. Red Wing. Um, Inexorable is actually a really fun one to put on a Deathwing Ancient. Like you can make him your warlord, give him yeah. the banner for five up, feel no pain. So, and then yep. you can give him a storm shield and a thunder hammer. So he can have a three up, five up, can only be wounded on four plus. Permanent transhuman, yeah. Yeah, permanent transhuman. And people want to get rid of that guy because absolutely he's they do. Providing all your all of your Deathwing stuff plus one attack, a five up, feel no pain. You know, like, uh, and so he becomes sort of a priority for them to try to get rid of, but he, you just can't. Like, it's so mm. difficult to deal yeah. with. Yeah. He's such a tough cookie to chew. Uh, I do like that one a lot, but yeah, the, the only real applications that I see, you, you, I've never considered taking a master in Terminator arm, which would be the only other applicable kind of thing I'd think of, because um, nothing else really has a Deathwing keyword. Um, yeah. So yeah, it literally would be that ancient, or unless you took like a Deathwing Apothecary, I don't know why you'd ever take a Deathwing Apothecary over a Ravenwing one, unless you were doing an all Deathwing Force, in which case, go for you it. I think that's cool. like a pretty scary interrogator chaplain, right? Yeah, that's true. But there's there I think there are better ones for that. It might be the next one we're talking about. Lalo the Mighty. You can reroll wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons against character units or units with a wounds characteristic of eight or more by this by models in friendly deathwing units whilst they're unit within six of this warlord. So not only does he give rerolls uh wounds to himself, but he gives it to within six of uh those dudes like so to to everybody against uh monsters or characters, essentially. Uh, well, anything with a wounds characteristic eight or more. Now, if you're playing, if 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 we could change before game, and you had a you had that um, interrogator chaplain because he could take any of these. He's got the Deathwing keyword. Um, Lather the mighty. You're playing into death. You're playing into into knights, chaos knights. When they're going to character up all their all their knights, they're all going to be characters. They've all got more than the eight wounds, and you just get rerolls to wound against them in the six inch bubble. It's phenomenally good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's actually it actually breaks that game wide open. It breaks that wide open. It changes all the math, changes all the fundamentals. Well, uh, the only issue there is it's melee. It's of course it's only melee weapons. But if, if this was if this was more than melee weapons, it would be broke as a joke. Like it would actually it'd be better than Gilliman. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it'd be it'd be super dumb. But I mean, as it is, it's still pretty good. Um, because you know, it's just like like I said, a lot of times, uh, if I'm taking knights, a lot of times I'll take a Deathwing Ancient. So that's not mm. a bad one to put on your ancient because where is your ancient going to be? He's going to be giving more attacks to your knights and allowing yeah. them to reroll wounds against, you know, admittedly tough stuff. It sort of depends on how the rest of your list is built. If you yeah. struggle to crack um, knights, then this is just sort of insurance, right? You're just basically right. like, you're basically like, okay, I'm going to kill a knight and then I'm going to fight. I'm going to kill two two knights with my initial drop, right, of my um deathwing knights and then that's going to break the game wide open because it's just in one exactly right now see uh, we are in this weird kind of di dichotomy of the game at the moment where you you only look at your secondary and like your tertiary wall of trace or whatever and relics and stuff you're you're only you're back to looking at auto takes again i well i feel like for competitive play at least i, I won't i won't um hyperbole it too much but uh it, it feels like none of these are auto take anymore watched used to be auto take but now none of these are auto-take anymore because you have to write them on your list pre-game. Um, so, yeah. It, it's, now I think they're sort of more in the build-around phase. Yeah, ex ex yeah that's, that's exactly right. If you're taking a, a second wall of trait or a second and third relic, they're really like... The, I think the relics can be more techy because you, you can have relic options that are just, just going to always be good. But yeah, these wall of traits, none of these are jumping out as always going to forever be... They're not evergreen. They're not going to be good for every... Um, Every engagement, maybe it may be exorable. 
maybe Exorable is is the one that's got the most utility now because you all that's all just going to be a buff that's always on that dude. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I will tell you, it's pretty fun on that ancient I was talking about with the Thunder <laughs> and Stormfield. Like, uh, I also, I will give that a go. just for like full disclosure, I also was playing uh, with Space Wolves and giving him the uh, Lion and the Wolf. So, Lion and the Wolf, yeah. Like, attack, you yeah. Dirty boy. <laughs> yeah, no, that guy, that guy was really fun. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He yeah, was really that fun. That would be sick. Uh, over the Ravenwing ones, impeccable mobility. Now this this has gone from this was the best one to this was way better than every other one to now it is a bit uh, lackluster. What is it even? So the wording in this book is not the same as the wording on. Uh, maybe we don't even talk about this one actually because whatever I read out now is not correct and has been changed two more times since this came out. Yeah, no. Basically, um, what it says is that you don't take the penalty for. Um advancing and assault weapons yeah which it's only on ravenwing units and the only units that have assault weapons are the black knights like it's literally that's it oh it's only oh it's only ravenwing units i thought you could use it on all units oh yeah this this is actually hot garbage you just can't it's it's hot garbage now and that's really unfortunate because it used to be really cool and then it was incredibly powerful and now it's it is hot garbage so we're just going to move on tactical flexibility now this i think is quite spicy um, it's a, it's once a per, one, right? Once per battle, at the start of uh, the battle round, you can select a combat doctrine that is not currently active until the end of that battle round. When resolving an attack made by a friendly model in a friendly wavering Ravenwing unit within six of this ward, you can treat that doctrine as being active instead of the current one. So essentially, you can you can backtrack from you know you can jump ahead to assault doctrine, or you can backtrack to tactical, or back into devastated doctrine should you wish. Um, I think it's got a lot of potency now because you get a second super turn for whatever you built your army around and this is one you build, would build your army around right like it, it depends um i think at a minimum right the minimum value for this is you're playing uh, a talon master and samuel right you get an extra turn of devastator doctrine and an extra plus six inches of range for an extra yeah. turn which yep. allows you to like play them much more conservatively the first two turns mm-hmm. of the game and get more work out of them the first two turns yeah. of the game. So yep. um, that's the floor of how good that is, and that's very good. Like that mm-hmm. is a fine one CP investment for a for a warlord trait. You're like, okay, I would take that every time. Now, if you have other things in your army, like if you have some more speeders with some heavy weapons, right? Yeah. Or yep. you you have uh, you know whatever uh, another talent master or a third mm-hmm. talent master if you're pants on head crazy um <laughs> you know th- it becomes more powerful the more stuff you have like that so it's worth i think i think that's probably the best of these warlord traits um would be my guess yeah i think this is the obvious standout to me um and this is the one that excites me i think the most as from a, a if i was to play a, a a pure Ravenwing or a primary Ravenwing kind of archetype. I think this brings a lot to the table as a second fiddle, and this is the one I would take if I was buying a second wall of trade. Um, the last one is Outrider. I think this. I think this is still pretty cool though. So at the end of at the start of the first battle round, before the first turn begins, this wallet and one other Ravenwing unit from your army can move up to twelve inches as if it were your movement phase. They cannot advance as part of this move. Those units must end their move more than nine inches away from enemy models. If both models have units uh, that do move before the first turn begins, the player who is taking the first turn moves their units first. Uh, I still like this quite a lot. Where I would like this a whole lot more is if Outriders could be bigger units than three guys. If we could make a, like a, a nine-man Outrider unit, this would actually be really, really good. Oh, yeah, that'd be really scary because then you're getting charged by nine Outriders that do, what, five attacks apiece? Well, it's more than, 
more than that, yeah, they would just go through all your screens and then you would just pop every defensive buff on them when they try to shoot you back. You would jink, you would um you would transhuman sometimes and you would just be like, ah, oh, you're just never gonna kill me. I've just I've firstly I've destroyed your screen and I've kept you in your deployment zone for a turn. Like you just can't yeah. move out, mate. Um I feel like that would be really powerful. At the moment, like I feel like you could do a very a, a, a version of this with uh black knights, but I feel like you would just be your black knights would actually just get picked up the next turn, which I feel like is the the downside there. Like an outrider has double the wounds of the other bikes. Double the wounds. And that and is just you just can't points. put a and it costs less points. You just can't you can't compare. It's actually really unfortunate that. Um I do think that our bikers need to go down a little bit in points if they want to get some play. I don't mind um I don't mind three man like Raveling biker units. I don't mind those, like just having a couple of three man or, or scout biker units, but you probably go Raven Wing because they get all the the traits and buffs and things from um, Sammy and Co. I wish, I wish scout bikes were, were Raven Wing. Yeah, same. I was about to say the same, because they don't get it. So you you're less likely to take them they have the extra movement, um, which is really nice. So I think Outrider is a build around. Like if you want to do Black yes. Knights, um, I also yeah. think you could do a unit of three speeders and do some interesting things with them. Yes. Um, so that could be because, you know, the speeders, they move uh, 20 inches as their base move if there's three in a unit, right? Three, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You 12 and then another 20, so suddenly they're 32 mm, inches on the 32. board. 32. Yeah, yeah, you're on the back line when you charge, no matter where you go. That's pretty that's, cool. So um, that's like, that's not a terrible you, thing. Like they're not a terrible you know thing. You know what I wish? I wish we could take double heavy flamers on speeders. That would be sick with this. Single is that right? You can take one, yeah. I was that and a heavy bolter, but heavy bolter is being fifteen points now. It's it's it sucks. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, wall of traits. Jumping over to relics now. I I love a lot of these relics, but we can skim. There's quite a few we can skim over, and there's quite a few that are obvious, just standouts. Um, First one, reliquary, reliquary of the Repentant Ravenwing Biker model only. Worsen the invulnerable saves of enemy units, units, not models, um, to a minimum of 6+, plus, whilst they're within 3 inches of a model with this relic. E.g., an invulnerable save of 3+, plus becomes 4+, plus within 3 inches there. Um, this is the tech option people take a lot of the time on their Ravenwing Champion or Apothecary, right? It's fantastic. When it's good, it's really good. This is another one of yeah. those like sort of casualties of, I can't customize per matchup. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. Because how how amazing was this on things like Plague Bearers? Um, and then you you force your opponent to have to warp surge back up to their five plus, rather than warp surging to a four plus. And then that that stabilizes all the math in your head. You'd be like, okay, well now everything's plottable again because the four plus really does change the math on killing Plague Bearers and things of that ilk. Also, the prevalence of greater demons now as well. Like you can sacrifice. If I have to sacrifice um, this guy turn one to go zoom out and take that Lord of Change with a three plus invulnerable save to a four plus. And then I get to kill him turn one when I couldn't I couldn't even possibly kill him turn one otherwise. Huge deal. Yeah, and I mean we're gonna see like uh those blade guard veterans, right? Those guys are gonna yeah, be very around. true as well. Yep. I mean, there's there's a lot of invulnerable saves running around mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of the armies. Uh Eldar, Eldar tend to spam um or can, I guess. I it it, it sort of depends. Shining spears with the two plus invuln on the shining spear exarch, taking that to a three plus, hugely, hugely viable. Yeah. Absolutely. And with the, uh, remember, we have the double move strat. <laughs> yeah, exactly the, right. We can, yep. we can put that aura wherever we want mm-hmm. it. Exactly right. Cool. And he's, he's on a decent sized base as well because he's a biker base. So you can get a lot of mileage. Um, so, where I, th- I think, but see, I think you could buy this one every game and not feel bad. You're never going to feel bad about having this because you're going to use, uh, I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be an issue for your opponent in more games than not because, like, every character's got an involved. Like, it, Knights, so many people are trying to put um, invulns on vehicles now as well. Dude, plague burst crawlers with a four pass invuln 
are such a pain in the ass. <laughs> They're like, oh my God. But taking back to a five plus, hey, you can swing the math now. I think this is really good. I think this is one, possibly the auto take. Um, you want to do the next one? Uh, I, I think this is the auto take, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, this is for a Ravenwing Talonmaster only. Uh, add six inches to the range characteristics of range models. A model with this relic is equipped with when resolving an attack made with a range weapon by a model with this relic. Add one to the hit roll. Hello, two plus to hit on yes. my Talonmaster and 30 inches on the assault cannon, which is like it allows, you, it allows you to do a lot of things, especially if you're playing multiples of them where he can be the guy that's just behind the guys that are exactly 24 inches mm. from the thing you want to shoot. Yep. <laughs> so, and, turn, uh, and turn one, he's 36 inches with a 14-inch base move. He can reach the entire table. Well, I mean, and, I mean, if you want to get technical with it, there is a 1CP Speed of the Raven strat where you can move and shoot anyway. So, move and shoot anyway, yeah. Yep. yeah shoot, excuse me. So there's a lot you can do. Uh, I think like a lot of times my Warlord that I declare is going to have like a uh, tactically flexible and a Corvus Oculus on my, my Talon Master because yeah. those are good yep. every game together. Exactly right. That, that is, yeah, there's not much more to say here. This is just two flat, amazing buffs. Plus six inches range. It's just either one of these. You could split this out into two relics and they still be reasonably good. Plus one to hit. Okay, one CP to give this guy plus one hit all game. But you get six inches range on top. Ridiculously good. All right, next one. Standard of the Unforgiving Hunt. Um, Ravenwing Ancient only. Uh, add one to advance and rolls and charge rolls made by friendly Ravenwing units if they're within six of a model with this a relic when the roll is made. So it's when the roll is made, so you do have to bubble up a lot, like a lot, because it has to be within six when they advance and then within six when they charge as well. Uh, and so you, you might have to I, – I I'm not sure I like the terms and conditions, I think is what I'm saying here. I don't think um, there's enough. I don't think it gives you enough for what you want because, I mean, you're not really looking uh, – because the, the Ravenwing stuff that you're, you're moving moves so fast anyway. Yeah, exactly right. You're already one of the fastest armies in the game. I'm not sure plus one uh, advance and plus one charge changes that dynamic all that much. Um, you're taking your fast unit to a little bit faster, but whatever. Um, on top of that, you don't want to take bigger units than five if you can help it, unless you're making a big, beefy, beefy unit of Black Knights or something. You're not really going to go over five. And so that is considerably stringing back. Like, that is a lot of stringing back when you've only got like five Blackers in a unit. Um, so there's some issues there as well. Um, next one. Uh, this is the those were the Ravenwing ones. This is the Deathwing ones. This is Blade of Burden, Deathwing Master model with a power sword only. This relic replaces a power sword. Has the following profile: strength plus two, uh, AP minus four, two damage flat when resolving attack made with this weapon. An unmodified roll hit roll of six inflicts two mortal wounds on the target and the attack sequence ends. So they're not in addition. That is two auto mortals. Um, it's good. It's good sword. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get me excited. You're never gonna no, play no. it. Like, no, I'm excited to play. You might, you might one day. But the, the fact is, you could just take Lazarius on the, on the same guy, and his sword's actually kind of better because it's the real damage against um, psychers and stuff. And also, he, he has his own bonuses that add on top of that as well. Um, and unlike space, like it would be reasonable if you could take this on a guy and then make that guy a chapter master, but we can't because we're not space marines. Because <laughs> right, we're not cool like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're not cool like that. Yeah. Uh, next one, Tenant of Remembrance. Now, this is uh, the power. This is ridiculous. Uh, Deathwing Ancient model only. When a friendly Deathwing infantry model within six of a model with this relic would lose a wound, roll 1d6. On a 5+, plus, that wound is not lost. 5+, plus, feel no pain. Uh, it's only models within six, so it's yeah. not units. Um, which, not great on this, right? But No, but it's still too powerful to leave at home if you're playing like any reasonable amount of Deathwing. If you're taking one bomb of Deathwing Knights and you're, you're taking like anything more than like six dudes, you probably take this. It's probably worth it. Yeah, I mean, and there, 
we'll talk about this in the next episode, right? There's there's a lot of thoughts around like how much you're going to invest into the Deathwing portion of your army because mm-hmm. yeah. you go all in, or you can like just have like five knights that absolutely obliterate something, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. become a problem solver. So it's sort of what yeah, you exactly do. right. Yeah, um, but I feel like this is for the Deathwing side. This is the obvious one. I do kind of have a secret a secret love for this though. Uh, this is the key of Arachia Bale, whatever the crap. Um, Deathwing model only add one to the strength and attack characteristic of a model with this relic. Now, where I could think this could be fun is you can have a essentially anti-character smash chaplain. You take Lalo the Mighty, uh, so he gets rural wounds against characters or things with eight or more wounds. Um, key of Arachnobeel, so he's plus one strength, plus one attack. And then, of course, there is the litany that he gets to uh, self-buff himself um, at the wazoo with... Uh, is it Which one is it? Is it Mentor of Strength? Yeah. Um, add one attacks and strength and the damage characteristics of the model. So you could buff the hell out of an interrogator chaplain and make him quite the beat stick if you're willing to put all these things together. Can we literally just skip the special issue war gear? Yeah, I mean, is the Angel Zambit, is there anything we can use that for? Not really. Um, so this is increased. So special issue war gear, guys, so you don't know, this is just like an alternative. Like It's essentially baby relics to what I, what I feel like they are. Um, Angel's Ambit is the one that, that John's alluded to, and this is uh, increased the range of a model's uh, with these relics or abilities by three inches. So if you could, if you chuck that on a Talon Master, there is a lot of buffs he gives out. He gives it at the uh, real ones to wound, and he also gives out ignores cover. Well, ignore the the saving foe uh, benefit for being in cover. So those going from on a, on a big base, a speeder base essentially on a sixty mil base, going from uh, six inches to nine inches. That's a big portion of your, your army. You can get into that. Is it worth the CP though on an army that's already insanely fast Probably and flexible? Not. Probably, Probably not. not. And that's that's been my thinking as well. I mean, digital weapons like when I talked about that smash chaplain, digital weapons could also be cool on that. Like when you get the, is it would that take his um his Crozius to damage three? That could be saucy. Um, so you could get you could get a damage four Crozius with exhortation, to, sorry, mantra of strength plus digital weapons, and then he can reroll the wound as well with a damage four Crozius. That could be sick. Um, and there are a couple, probably a, lot, a couple of little tech choices in there as well. But there's nothing that I'd like stand out to me like Al. Uh, sorry, was it digital weapon? No, no, it's master crafted. I'm talking. I said digital weapons. I meant master crafted. Apologies, everybody. Um, yeah, I figured. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, over to litanies. Uh, so we are going. So this this will be the last bit we cover, and then we'll we'll jump over to talking about some units. We we do have the same litanies as everybody else. What we're going to talk about here is Dark Angel Stoic Prosecution. So this is our um, Dark Angel specific litany. If this litany is inspiring, when a, a friendly Dark Angel's infantry unit that is in six of this unit and did not advance or fall back, this turn is chosen to shoot. Models in that unit can shoot ranged weapons as if they had remained stationary. So obviously you could just write like instead of da- uh, Dark Angel's infantry you could just write Dark Angel Stalker Bolter Intercessors and or Aggressors in there. Because those are actually, the only two. There's, there's more uses. Yeah, there's, there's more uses yeah. than that, right? Of course um, there is. But those are the two that it screams out to you. Well, of course, but I mean, don't we get reroll ones to hit if we're exactly right? Um, so it doesn't like everything benefits from it. So actually, Angel's Ambit actually goes on the Chaplain with Stoic Persecution really well. <laughs> if you think about that it, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Would well, that be an, what's that? This relics all abilities. So that that does. So a lot of the ones in the past have said um, this adds three inches or six inches to the or abilities printed on their data sheet. So, e.g., the Black Templar Helm um, would not give um, enhanced 
litanies. At least, at least they've changed the wording in either the the updated um, chapter approved or all the FAQs or whatnot, to my knowledge. But yeah, this one, this would increase though. It would increase stoic pro- prosecution, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I mean, that's that's probably worthwhile um, mm-hmm. if you built your list in the right way. But yes, absolutely. You... Aggressors, stalker bolt rifles, both really, really good. Um, yeah. But then just remember that. Okay, so we got ripped off on our uh, doctrine but i think we got yeah. one of the best litanies the one of the best special litanies because it also it also turns on reroll ones to hit for everybody to hit as well exactly right yeah. and so you can get a, you can technically get away with not taking a captain if you wanted to because this guy would literally function as a captain for you um but this is a we have so where i think you're absolutely right is we have a build around litany we have an art uh, we have a litany that we can build our entire army around and it's going to be fan freaking tastic where it kind of falls down is that you can't re-roll the litany dice, and we don't have the um, the extra special enhanced chaplain, uh, which is <laughs> right. annoying, which is very very frustrating that everyone else gets that and we don't. Um, yep, that is a problem. It feels like it feels like Dark Angels would have super chaplains, you know? It feels like they should. Uh, but uh, just just like it's, sorry, that would be cool. Yeah, Blood Angels feel like they should have sh- super apothecaries because they're all about keeping the the black rage at bay and all that harvesting gene seed and stuff. We feel like we should have super um, chaplains. And I don't know. Nah, space wolves don't deserve special techies. They don't deserve anything. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're just like hypocr- people. They're, they're hypocrites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> joking, exactly. joking, guys. The uh, stoic prosecution. So yeah, for those of you who don't know, this would enable um, aggressors to move five inches and still double fire. Um, this would enable you to move with your stalker bolters and still um, fire without the minus one to hit. So I, I feel like this this is what enables us to. Um, have like we could spam stalker bolter uh, infantry, and we have other ways to that make infantry very hard to dislodge. I'm, I'm speaking, of course, of Azriel, who, who has a four bus invulnerable bubble for infantry models and uh, bikers as well, or just infantry. I always forget this one. I think it might be bikers and infantry, but I'm not. I think it is bikers and infantry as well. It used to be everything. It used to be like everything: dreadnoughts, razorbacks. It was everything just gets a four plus involved. And then, yeah, I believe they changed it to um, bikers and infantry. But yeah, so if you couple these two together, you got real to hit, of course, from Azrael, but he gets that four plus involved bubble, and you can really spam out a, a heavy infantry list as a kin of what um, John was saying before. And you could be quite potent. You can contend with the the space ring um, codex heavy infantry list, e.g. of the ilk of um, Imperial Fists and Iron Hands. You might not be as good, but you do a couple of things that they can't as well. So I think that's really sexy. I like it. All right, dude. So we come to the the part where we give a rating system. We have a rating system. We don't know what it's called yet. We're going to let it evolve over time, probably decided by patrons at some point. I'll put up a vote. Um, but internally, um, so this is the internal rating, out of 10, how well? How much do you think this brought to Dark Angels? Admittedly, they were starting in a pretty like bemoaned, crappy position but where do you think this elevated them to i mean i'm gonna say it's like i'm gonna say that the supplement itself is a 10 out of 10 because it took dark angels from like a three to like a six or a seven like they can compete now yeah it it gave us everything we needed to have yeah yep do we wish we could have gotten a few quality of life improvements like you know do i wish the deathwing banner was model unit Yes, mm-hmm. uh, that would make life a lot easier, and it would be mm-hmm. way more powerful, right? Um, yep. But you know, at the same time, it's still really good stuff. I do think ninth edition, although good for us in a lot of ways, the one way it was bad, the having declared like there was a lot of silver bullets in this book that you could use in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Yep. That we don't have as much access to now. There's silver bullets, but only in certain matchups. So yeah, um, 
and there's an opportunity cost, right, for using all of those things. So it's uh, it's nice that we have the tools. So if we find a matchup that is bad for us, we can put that silver bullet in the list all the time mm -hmm. to shore up the bad matchup. But it probably makes us worse in some other matchups. But maybe those are matchups we're winning anyway. Whereas when you could yeah. customize every 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 you know round, like you know, oh, now I'm playing against this. They they have got a bunch of invulnerable saves, so I can take that apothecary yeah. relic, give minus one to their invul save. That was great. Or I could take watch to shut down one spell a turn, you know, also great. Uh, now it's, so that's a little bit of a step back, but I still think that uh, Dark Angels have a lot of interesting builds now. Um, I mean, but they all it start with Tom and, and Sammy. Yeah, but. and Sammy. Um, it took us from having, um, like, uh, we, we were a, it, Dark Angels were a joke. They were a joke that you could, like, players that were crazy enough like me could soup up Talonmasters and, and Sammy who were, a pretty pretty average in a Dark Angels list, but were incredible additions to other lists. Imperial Guard, I used to love those guys because they brought they brought the flexibility of having a Smash Captain as a as a counter assault unit, e.g. of the same reason that Castellan armies brought Smash Captains. Um, but they also brought a legitimately terrifying amount of firepower to the game in and of themselves. But we didn't have any other plays. We didn't have any other like power plays. We did there wasn't there was no core that you felt like was worth building around as a, as a pure Dark Angel or a mono Dark Angels build. You just looked at it and you're like, uh, I don't want to take any of this stuff. Like, I, I, I want to take this and this and this and put it with a better core, e.g., you know, what I just said with Imperial Guard or with a, a numerous other lists. But then they gave us this core back. They gave us this stoic prosecution, sorry, um, that, they, that let us build infantry that were uh, meaningful and purposeful. They let us take, they, they gave us one of the best melee units in the game and taking, like, Deathwing Knights from a joke to incredibly terrifying for literally every unit in the game. Um, and on top of that, what you just said, the silver bullets, they gave us a wealth, an absolute wealth of tech options. The, the, the depth in the tech options is phenomenal, which is why it feels so bad that we have to choose them before the game now because it feels really inhibiting. Because there used to be this flex to it, this, oh, yeah, you could just cherry pick whatever you needed and you would have something meaningful to add into your into your, um, into your event or into your game turn by turn, round by round. It would add some stuff. Um, but now we've got to pick pre-game. So I guess you just you just pick the stuff that's going to show up whatever your worst matches is, exactly like you said, mate. Yeah, no, and I, I think um, there's some room for some pretty good mono Dark Angel builds. Uh, but I also think that there's some room for some pretty creative... Um, Two codex builds too with the, with the Dark Angels. Yeah. I, they, I think they bring quite a bit to the table. So, well, honestly, I can say that they're in a internally they're in a good place because going into this edition, I can still conjure up. Well, sorry, they're in a better place than they were at the end of eighth edition because I can still conjure up a mono build that I would like to play and I would enjoy playing. Um, so, I think that internally they're in a good place. Externally, where do you see them in the power rankings? Like, we'll just just we'll just do a generic um, F to S tier. S tier being like of the ilk of Admech and probably Death Guard and stuff like that. F tier being, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, maybe GSC. Yeah, maybe GSC. I, I think that they are solid. Um, they have they have some interesting builds and some in interesting uh, things that they bring to the table that a, a lot of other people can't quite do as well. Like, I think, I think I would put them just above the middle of the pack. Like, I feel like because their power armor and space marines have gotten enough mm. stuff uh, yeah. with doctrines and that kind of things that they're, they're sort of naturally competitive just based on the the backs of that. And then there's enough in the Psychic Awakening book um, to do like uh, 
you know, it just it just brings their power level up, right? They did they just and then the move in uh I mean impeccable mobility brought this in this book, but Sammy and Talon Masters being able to move and fire without penalty was a big deal. Like huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. It made those guys' output go crazy. Like for those of you that haven't played with them, you should just take one Talon Master and Sammy and play in games and keep track of how many times you don't convert all hits and wounds. You'll be surprised like, <laughs> how often. Yeah. Uh, because between the two of them, they both hit on twos, they reroll ones. And a lot of times you're shooting things where you're like wounding on threes, rerolling ones. Sometimes you're wounding on twos, rerolling ones. Um, and then you, know, you either rent two or you rent one ignores cover or rent two ignores cover. So, that, yeah. And of course, you said the, the Talon Master thing on twos because you always take the, the Corvus, the Oculus on him, yeah? Correct. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's a no brainer. If you're only taking one Talon Master, that's the obvious choice. And you don't need both of them to be beat sticks in combat because the other option would be to take one of the Relic Swords. But Sammy plugs that hole anyway. He's, the, he's a beat stick already. Uh, so, for me, I'd, I'd give them a C plus B minus. I think it's about the same as where you, where you said. I think the, the biggest thing that's hurt us going into this is the inability to, to, to customize um, game by game. I think that is one of the biggest hits that Dark Angels are going to take coming in here. Because if like the ability to take Watched on demand was huge, was phenomenally huge. Um, and you would you would take you would take a dude just you would take an interrogator chaplain to give out stoic prosecution or a, another litany or, or self buff himself to be a beat stick just for the option to take Watched. Like you would, you would pay a hundred points just for the option to take watch because it would change the fundamentals of the game. And now you're just like, oh, I just saved my hundred points. Maybe I take some other stuff instead. And that that does feel a bit wonky, but it's it's not too bad. Now we did take a step back there, but we did take a step forward in the new mission set. In that, the fact that Sammy and Talon Masters, <laughs> the way the the lookout sort of rule works, they kind of screen for each other, which is nice. Yeah, um, which is, it's kind way. of wonky. Yeah, but I mean, we actually take a step forward in that now our characters are more durable, more flexible. Mm. Yes. Uh, they're faster than anybody else's. They put out more output um, at range than anybody else's. Like, they are they're actually straight up ridiculous in the things you can yeah. do with them in the, in the different scenarios. Um, and they just, they just, they do so much. Like, it's, it's, it's silly. So we've we'll jump into the, the last segment here. We'll, we'll close things out. We're just going to touch, we're just going to touch on a couple of, um, Units that are really well poised for Dark Angels going into the edition. And we're not going to talk about Sammy and Talamasters anymore. We've given them more than enough love. And you guys don't need us to tell you that there's a good units. Everything that in the world should be saying that these are the best these are the obvious best units Dark Angels have to them. And they're, they're, they're two of the those are the two of the best character units in the freaking game. They're they're so good. I can't get over how good they are. Um but what's what's another unit that's jumping out to you? What's something else in the book that you feel like is in a really good position? Plasma Inceptors came down in points to the point now uh, because we we actually are the best um, plasma space marine. Like, Absolutely, like, yeah. weapons of the dark age is yeah. straight up broken, and then we have easy ways to get reroll ones. Um, whether it's with Sammy who can go wherever he needs to go to, to mm-hmm. give them that aura um, because of his sixteen inch movement. Is it sixteen or fourteen? Fourteen, maybe. Uh, I believe it's fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. Um, uh, no, you're right. Sorry, it is sixteen. You're absolutely right. It's sixteen. Yeah. So yeah. like. Uh, and then also, um, you can use the chaplain buff to also give them reroll ones to make plasma yes. fairly safe. And then Dark Age is one of the best one CP strats in the history of time because <laughs> our, we can either make we can make our our standard plasma shots damage two, right? Yep. Which is incredible in a lot of situations because then they're totally safe and you're just like yeah whatever. Yeah. Or you yep. can move it from from two to three on the overcharge. Which just gets you into all kinds of places where people don't want you, which is that's right. Two win stuff with feel no pain suddenly is no problem. 
three wound mm-hmm. stuff like paladin suddenly just melt you're just like yes. whatever these guys are all well, gonna die hope you enjoy them you're forcing their hand they're like oh well i guess i have to plug in every defensive strategy that i have otherwise they're going to evaporate they also got blast so like shooting that 10-man paladin blob suddenly you're like enjoy these 36 shots 36 auto shots, dude it's so insane uh i can't believe they got blast i was looking at it like holy crap they got blast so it makes them very duality in their role right because they can have three damage shots and strength eight they're very good at being your tank killing uh they're also extremely good at being your horde clearing because they can have 36 shots out of one unit if they're like yeah, it's, it's six strength one model. Seven, yeah strength seven minus three one damage that's fine or minus four in um tactical doctrine which is probably when they're going to come down anyway because you're probably going to put them in reserve because you can deep strike them for free They've just got that rule. So they come down Tactical Doctrine with Rend 4 on either of their profiles. And, oh, you took 10-man Intercessor units? That was a bad choice. And it's just insane. Yeah. And then, and so that's the other thing, right? Like, um, they have an 18-inch range, which is far enough for them to do uh, what they want to do. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, they're, they're just, I think Plasma Inceptors... Um, are going to be one of one of the best units that Dark Angels bring to bear because we make the best use out of Plasma because they're not that expensive. It's 300 points yeah. for six. Um, uh, we can give them a four-up invul, which is also extremely powerful on them. Yes. Uh, yep. I mean, so like you can take Azrael and give them a four-up invul. You can uh, give them a lot of ways to re-roll their ones um, very easily. And then, you know, like I said, three damage. Three damage Plasma, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's a here's a unit I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Landspeed of Tempest for a moment. Um, I've got three of these. I owned them because I wanted to. I converted them up to be my um, Landspeed of Vengeances because I like that model better, and they looked cool with this closed canopy. But so for a, for those who don't know, Landspeed of Tempest is a, a Forge World Landspeeder, and it's got a, it's got it's pretty much a Landspeeder with a closed canopy, and it's got this little nose mounted um, assault cannon, and it's also got what's called a, a Tempest Launcher. Uh, let me just scroll down to it. There we go. Uh, Tempest launcher, which is sorry, Tempest salvo launcher, which is uh, heavy D three, and it's got it, I believe it's got two of these. Yeah, two. So it's got two D three, strength six minus three, two damage shots. Now this thing is sixty points, sorry, eighty points now, which is the same points as a regular land speeder with an assault cannon and a heavy bolter. So both of them have an assault cannon, but it's, you just take off the uh, heavy bolter, which is now an erroneous fifteen points, and you put on two D three. Uh, strength six minus three, two damage shots. No brainer. It's obviously good. But issue here is Landspeed of Tempest doesn't have the Ravenwing keyword, to my knowledge, and there's no way to give it to it, to my knowledge. Like if you could take a, a unit of five of these and for one CP, the same as you could do in the the regular Dark Angels book, you can take a unit of I think it's a Dreadnought or a character, you can give it the Deathwing keyword. If we could take Tempest and give them the Ravenwing keyword, they would be off their chops as they are right now. I still think they're quite good because they have, I believe, they have the what we were talking about before. They had the land speeder keyword, and what they have is a special rule that when they advance, they're minus one to hit. Um, let me just read that out for you yeah, guys. Beta inches or whatever it is. Yes, yes. Ramjut thrust is when a unit with this ability advances, all models in the unit must move between twenty and thirty-five inches. If uh, the unit has use this range of thrusters, then the enemy player must subtract one from the hit roll against that unit in the shooting phase, and they can only be charged if that unit has fly. So they become essentially airborne. They become a, a flyer, battlefield roll flyer. Um, and so where that gets crazy good is, um, 
oh man, we're giving away part two secrets here, but stuff it. Where it becomes crazy good was that uh, the strategy we talked about before. Where is it? It is called um, targeting guidance. You can shoot this guy 35 inches away. He's a land speeder, and then he would give out targeted guidance to whoever um, it, it, some, a unit within 12. It just points at a unit within 12 um, and goes, everybody gets a reel against you, mate, and I'm minus one to hit, and you can't charge me unless you've got fly keyword. I think incredibly, incredibly well-pointed, versatile unit that you might see a lot of. If it had a Ravenwing keyword, it would be an auto-take at this point, I think. Yeah, the other thing that's really great about it is it, uh, again, turns on some secondaries, um, like behind enemy lines, for example. Yeah. Uh, because it's minus one to hit and because of its movement, you can hide it in a place that it's hard for your opponent to get meaningful attacks on it. And it's not huge, yeah. right? You you can actually no. hide it. You can legitimately uh, hide it. Uh, it also turns on, like I said earlier, right? The ability to get your uh, full points on recon on a turn that you normally wouldn't because of its movement. You can stack it with those. And then its output is pretty good. Like its output is not bad for what yeah. it is. So, oh, it's, it's quite reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lot there's a lot you can do it you, there's just it's just a very functional very flexible piece that I expect to get changed when the Forge World book comes out yeah I, I expect it to, to get changed to go up in points something else it's too good to be true at the moment um, what's a, what's another model that stands out to you or, or unit um well I mean it's it's not stuff like that we uh we've already talked about right like we talked about the Deathwing Knights. Um, yeah. Again, it's sort of Deathwing Knights have sort of become a build around, and I've got another unit after that I want to talk about. But you can you can take a small pack of them to sort of be a problem solver or just be like a hammer uh, to give you some more punch in the list. But if you go all in on them, they can become a hard center of your army that's very difficult for your opponent to shift and deal with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, deep strike them in, push them onto your opponent's objectives. And then kind of watch them cry because they're they're very <laughs> they're very very difficult to shift. Um, what was the other one you want to talk about? Because I think I think Deathwing Knights are a pretty known commodity at this at this time. Yeah, I think everyone spent the last a bit of last couple of months of Eighth Edition being like, oh my god, these guys are crazy. So they're not they're coming in. They're they're quite a bit more expensive now. They did go up by I think about twenty percent. Um, it was like seven or eight yeah. nine points per yeah. model. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind of more on Inceptors than Deathwing Knights, honestly. Hmm. Um, I, I kind of think that the Whirlwind Scorpius is uh, low-key really good yeah. in Dark Angels because you don't yeah. need anything to support it because it's always got reroll mm -hmm. once to hit um, because it's always going to be stationary firing twice. That out-of-line-of-sight shooting, like it, its damage, its output is very good anyway. Yep. Um, and so it is, it is like a, a kind of a low-key thing that plays very, very well in mm. any Dark Angels army that you can you can pop it and into it's it's the perfect babysit combination for that oculus talonmaster if you do not need to zoom it around the talonmaster sits there gets protection and shoots with this enhanced range and gives the reroll once to wound um to the scorpius who automatically gets a real once to hit for standing still so those those are a really nice partnership that's a good pick good pickup mate mm -hmm. and then uh you know eradicators are good for everyone um but, oh, they're just good <laughs> but again uh they're the kind of unit that can walk around with asriel pretty easy and be very relevant yes. Yep, yep. So they're again low key, really good in Dark Angels, and again you can give them pretty easy access to reroll ones um, because they're going to be with Azrael, I guess. But you, you yes, know, yeah, uh, yeah. You know but uh, they're just uh, any any you can just basically take any sort of 
unit that's like a heavy unit that doesn't have an invul is pretty good in Dark Angels because now it'll it's have pretty an good invul. in Dark Angels. Yeah, you can give it an invul. And we know how important invuls are, especially with everybody getting more and more renders. The especially as Eighth Edition went on, and probably what we can assume we're going to be starting with in Ninth until a sort of new codex has come out. But dude, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Um, hopefully you guys have enjoyed that and I, I really wanted to uh, let John uh, show his class and quality because man you talked and, and gave insights just as well as any tournament champion I've had on so dude thank you so much for being on feel free to plug anything you feel like plugging mate no I mean uh, hopefully we we'll just see you guys over on the Art of War podcast which is uh, no offense the best competitive podcast <laughs> I actually just like teasing, teasing Val Helfelfinger about that because he always calls us the second best podcast on the frontline gaming network so <laughs> <laughs> savage yeah we just go uh, back it's it's good times no seriously though just uh come check us out we we have um much like this podcast fantastic fantastic discussions uh and i learned so much just from the discussions and i think you would get a lot of benefit out of it so thanks man and dude thank you so much for being on again hopefully hopefully the listeners at home have enjoyed our dis- dissection of uh the dark angel psychic awakening this is a I, I, I'm pretty sure you could feel the passion like flowing out of my mouth through this stuff into your brains. But yeah, I really do like my Dark Angels, and it was been, it's been a pleasure to dissect them with such an illustrious gentleman. Um, please come over and join us for part two. John and I are going to head over there now and start recording, and we're going to be writing lists. We're going to be talking the stuff that we've played that we want to play, the things that we are super, super jacked to try and get going on the battlefield, all the different archetypes, all the different secondaries we're looking at, different ways we want to play, the tech options, the relics, the nuanced little itty-bitty bits that um, hopefully people are going to be doing and uh, the way we're really looking forward to, to making work. So, um, yeah, hopefully you can join us over there, guys, and thank you so much uh, for all the support I've got. You guys are incredible and uh see you on the next one say goodbye john goodbye john (laughs) see you guys thank you for listening to art of war down under a content review podcast for warhammer 40k hosted by adam camilleri produced by seamus ronan enjoyed the show want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice sign up to our patreon and connect with us online or on facebook just search for art of war down under signing out from tomorrow